Captain America is off the market. New York Comic Con previews lots of content. New box office numbers shuffle. And we preview a few of the upcoming fall films we're looking forward to. All of that and more coming up here on Multiverse News. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Multiverse News, your one-stop shop for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Jay Scotty St. Clair, standing in as host and producer here for Matthew Carroll, and I am joined by an illustrious crew here. I've got with me uh, the man with a beef with Shang-Chi himself, Mr. Simu Liu, Jay Sisson. <laughs> What's happening, Jay? Hey, he's earned that beef, okay? I didn't go looking for it. He brought it to the table. It's his fault. He was the one who spoiled uh, a very key moment in Star Wars for me for no reason at 6 in the morning. So that is totally on him. The ball is in his court to make it right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. We don't shame you for your beefs. They're legitimate beefs. <laughs> I'm not going to fight him because he's a martial artist and he would destroy me, but you know, I can still be mad at him. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And also Haley Hobbs, who doesn't quite have a beef with Ariana Grande, but... Uh, I remember something about you not being overly impressed with something I mean, about her. Ariana Grande doesn't know I exist. So okay. is it even really a beef? Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, I guess I should like throw myself under the bus here too. I don't know why I went with those types of in- intros, but uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Pete Davidson. So Pete Davidson, if you're out there listening, <laughs> if you want to, you know, meet outside by the uh, <laughs> basketball goal at three o'clock or something like that, let's go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, All to right. be on this podcast, you're required to have a beef with a celebrity. That's, <laughs> that's just right. just uh, going forward. That's the rule. That you have that beef. Yeah. yeah whether, exactly. whether or not they're aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, um, so I guess the way I would describe this news week is that it was a little bit more of a snooze week rather than a news week. But we did, you know, find some things to talk about, and uh, I'm pretty excited to talk about it. How are you all feeling? Yeah, that's just the. <laughs> that's the side effect of the times that we're in with the mm. strike the longer it goes on that spigot just keeps getting closed more and more and the news dries up so yeah, yeah but we, we keep bringing it to you every week here at multiverse news we can, we can find things to talk about oh yeah oh yeah and the first thing we have to talk about here might be one of the most hard-hitting like hard-boiled news stories we've ever discussed here on multiverse news like this <laughs> is the riveting news you tune in to multi-news multiverse news for but uh, in a surprise intimate ceremony in Massachusetts, Chris Evans and partner Alba Baptista have officially tied the knot, surrounded by his Marvel NDA signing co-stars Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, and Jeremy Renner. Evans collectively shattered hopes and dreams for everyone who has been in love with the star-spangled actor for years. Maybe he feels it's been a long, long time, but fans still held out hope, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean... 
the sound that you hear right now is just people wailing across the nation <laughs> as, the, as this plays into their ears. You know, this, this is probably the saddest news we've ever dropped on anybody. <laughs> Chris Evans is off the market. Um, now, this is a news podcast, so, you know, I don't know how deep we want to go in, like, the controversy surrounding Chris Evans' relationship and the pretty large age gap that exists between him and his now wife. I'm not going to go there, but I know Haley wants to go there. So, I mean, Haley, what do you think about Chris Evans getting married? I just, I just think we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a hefty age gap between the two of them, and... You know, Hollywood being what it is, it's a tough environment to have a relationship in. I do wish them all the best. He seems like he's super happy with her and all of that. And that's great. So that's what you want your marriage to be like. Jay and I know we are both <laughs> married to people. So <laughs> um, it's just, it was funny how it circled the web, though. And I mean, yeah, fans were just heartbroken. Um, <laughs> even a girl's chat that I'm in, it was like, this is the hard-hitting news of the day you know yeah damn it (laughs) (laughs) hey this is america and you're captain america if that makes you happy hey go for it (laughs) right yeah and you know talk about taking one of the most eligible bachelors in our zeitgeist off the board like yeah it has you know uh ramifications but i've always viewed chris evans as kind of like a pretty leveled headed guy like given the level of stardom he has he seems like he's pretty down to earth has you know um, not letting the the stardom like really like you know take him to a, a another plane in terms of his ego and whatnot. So the fact that he's waited to you know be a 42 year old man, I think he's capable of making good decisions, and I think he must have seen you know a val- valuable partnership there. And uh, you know, I think people that you know live and operate in Hollywood, they're just kind of like their experiences are so vastly different from the rest of ours. The fact that like they you know he's Captain America, he's a household name. I don't know if Alba Batista is quite there with her starring role as the warrior nun, but she certainly has, you know, experienced some of the, the, the stardom and then the world travels and whatnot. So, uh, you know, hopefully they're a good pair and I, I wish nothing but happiness for all of them. And the rest of us are just going to have to be satisfied with those cardboard cutouts. We, we keep in the room. (laughs) If we were a more cynical podcast, we'd take bets at this part in the show and how long the marriage is going to last, but we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. It's the over under on We're we're happy. We're happy for Chris on this podcast. I did think it was funny that like the news outlets that were reporting it were like, he made his guests surrender their cell phones and sign Mm. NDAs. And I'm like, that's old hat for most of these people. Yeah. That makes complete sense. (laughs) Yeah. He, I know when they were courting him for the role of Captain America, like they approached him several times because he had his reservations about, you know, being a superhero again and having that level of limelight. So I think it makes sense the fact that, you know, he still very much respects his privacy and the the privacy of his partner. Producers hawking their productions, including Jason Blum of Blumhouse and Matthew Vaughn. Fans of horror will enjoy the Designing Worlds of Horror in Scream, Insidious, and More panel, featuring costume designers behind Scream 6, Insidious the Red Door, The Walking Dead, and Twisted Metal, alongside the production designer for Mike Flanagan's The Fall of the House of Usher. Disney Plus will premiere glimpses of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, Goosebumps, and Monsters at Work. Attendees will have the chance to get autographs from stars like David Tennant, Ewan McGregor, Susan Sarandon, and more as WGA and SAG-AFTRA members can attend as individuals but are prohibited from appearing to promote past, present, and future work tied to their contracts. Does it seem like cons are shaping up despite not having the flashy roundtables they're known for? So I have a friend who's going to New York Comic Con 
specifically like to see most of these actors and he's very excited about the fact that he gets to meet a bunch of them and i wonder i'm going to ask him he's actually potentially going to guest on the show in the future um i'm going to ask him how the interactions are when you can't talk about these things that they've been in so like what do you talk about with you and mcgregor when you're standing next to him for a photo and you're like Hi Obi Wan, you can't talk about it. <laughs> um, however, you I have just heard... you just say you have the high ground and you move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can't come back at you. Um, I've heard that like with San Diego Comic Con, which was in the same boat, but things were even a little rockier. I don't know that that many celebrities went to uh, San Diego. I can neither confirm nor deny that. Mm. But people who have been attending them have been having just as much fun, and I don't really think that we're missing out necessarily um i've also been listening to a lot of interviews with like comic book artists and writers and those kind of people that go to these cons and they're like these are really showing that there's still something for everybody and i think that that's the point of all of these comic cons and so yeah this isn't surprising obviously we know the strikes are still going on but i don't think that the cons are being diminished because of it yeah, my estimation of New York Comic Con was always that it like played the younger sibling to San Diego Comic Con and you know focused on TV and streaming series and whatnot. So um, I never paid quite as close attention to New York Comic Con, but I'm all about the silver linings here. So the fact that we're hearing from people that you know don't have celebrated roles as much, like production and costume designers, they're finally getting the opportunity to to speak up and have the limelight for a second. I think that's, you know, definitely a a net positive here in in the midst of the strike. And the fact that, you know, there's still this event that people that are so, you know, rabid in their fandoms and um, can you create community and and bonding and a shared experience over that, I think that's all great. Uh, The other side of it that I do think about that I didn't think about until you mentioned, uh, like, the celebrities like Ewan McGregor being there and, like, I can only just imagine what, like, some people are going to do to try and get them to break, you know, whatever yeah. things they're not allowed to do. Like, there's this um, – at, at Disneyland, there was this whole thing about, like, for a time, anybody that was, like, costumed as, like, a Toy Story character, if somebody yelled, Andy's coming, they had to, like, drop to the floor, like, motionless. So there are tons of videos, like, all over YouTube about, like, these adults going, and they're like, Andy's coming, Andy's coming. And, like, after – I guess after a while, they just didn't enforce anymore. So you have these, like, mascots just looking at people. I just see stuff like that already happening. Like, hello there. Hello there. It's like, yeah. I can't say it back to you. <laughs> He's going to have, like, lockjaw by the end of it just from clenching his teeth. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, both San Diego and New York Comic Con, I think, have done a pretty great job at adapting because the hits kind of keep coming. I mm. mean, you had the pandemic, obviously, was a huge hit. Then you had a whole the whole year or two that followed after that of just kind of the fallout from the pandemic and everything like that, regulations, like all the things that made an event like that not happen. So you had all that. Then you had all of the major players, studios, streamers starting to gradually pull out for their own big announcement events where they announce their projects on a stream or uh, through their Twitter or something like that instead of doing it at Comic-Con like they'd always done. And now you've got just the this whole strike going on on top of it all. So there's it's just like all of these barriers that would really tear down the thing from its core and make it kind of a non- 
uh, factor in today's world. Uh, the cons have really adapted well and leaned into other things like costume design, set design, uh, interviews with people who create comics, like different types of people being able to bring their products and their exclusives and their merchandise and then all the cosplay and all these, uh, all of that stuff together has made it kind of adapt and shift away from the Hall H and the the big flashy stuff to like, this is just a meeting of people who are interested in the same thing and they're here to just celebrate that. And that's, that's the move. I mean, I think you're going to kind of see it start to keep climbing uh, if it keeps leaning into that fan base type atmosphere. For sure. Any final thoughts on New York Comic-Con before we move on? All right, let's talk some box office. All right. The Nun 2 came in ahead of expectations this weekend, pulling in an $85.3 million global box office opening, $32.6 million of which came from its domestic outing. Oppenheimer and Barbie will also hit major milestones this week at the international box office as Oppenheimer closes in on crossing $900 million worldwide, and Barbie will pull over the $1.4 billion mark. Denzel Washington's The Equalizer 3 and Blue Beetle also both crossed the $100 million worldwide box office mark over the weekend. Yeah, I think looking at all these, there's a lot there to talk about. I do think it's very interesting that The Nun 2 had such a good outing. I mean, I know we're coming up on Halloween, but this has been a trend in the box office this year, and that is that people are going to the theater to see horror movies. Mm -hmm. Like, horror is really popular right now, and you see other examples of this from throughout the year. You see, like, uh, Evil Dead Rise is another example of movies that people are kind of saying, well, don't really know what to say about this. We don't really know where it's going to come in. And then it comes out, and it does 30 $40, 50000000 domestically, and kind of keeps growing from there, especially coming out right up next to October and everything like that. I think it's just, it's proof of something that's happening, right? Mm. Which is that we've talked about it with different movies. We've talked about it a lot with Barbie and Oppenheimer, but it's this idea of an experience in the theaters. People are sort of looking at movies and they're looking at advertisements and they're saying, that's a movie that I'm going to catch on streaming. And Mm. that's a movie that I'm going to catch in the theater. And I think more and more you have people, especially horror fans are saying, I want to catch a horror movie in the theater. Uh, Horror movies are traditionally very inexpensive to make compared to big box office like superhero movies. Typically, those movies have between a 100 and 200 million dollar budget. Horror movies can get away with 30 percent, 20 percent of that. I mean, just so much smaller budgets. So to see that. I think it's a really interesting trend, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that going forward. Uh, this is, by the way, for doing the counts, this is the ninth installment in the Conjuring franchise. <laughs> so mm. uh, that is a that is a franchise that is still growing. Uh, TV series on the way, and uh, another. I think there's another Conjuring movie on the way. So we're going to see like Conjuring Avengers at some point. You're just going to get all <laughs> these people together on the screen, and it's it's going to happen. You just got to get ready for it. Now, I will not be seeing The Nun because I'm too scared, but other people go see it. So uh, a lot of people went and saw it. (laughs) Yeah. We kind of predicted that the box office might cool off, especially once school started and people were busy with those kinds of activities. But we're kind of seeing the opposite. In fact, The Equalizer did a huge weekend when it opened over Labor Day. And now, the or what is it, The Nun 2 doing a big... And then even, I'm going to... Wave my little flag for Blue Beetle crossing $100 million. Like, go Blue Beetle. I'm so excited that that movie is doing that well. Um, and I think that 
what I've been seeing on like ads and stuff, even when I was eating dinner earlier, um, a dumb money trailer was pulled up and we're going to talk about that later, but it was like in theaters only. And they're kind of going back to that instead of just here's the movie trailer and not telling us in theaters only or not telling us in theaters and streaming on X date. So we're seeing like we've, talked about back when jeff was on the show and stuff we're seeing this move back to kind of how things were before covid before mm-hmm. all the crazy stuff happened and i did notice that when i watched that trailer and i thought that was interesting yeah so last weekend i went back and got caught up on the equalizer film so that i could complete the trilogy <laughs> and this weekend oh, i had to, it i had he to did it. i had to make the hard-hitting <laughs> choice about whether to do that with the nun or whether to do that with my big fat Greek wedding. And I decided to do it with The Nun as the box office numbers show here. I don't think I was alone in that decision. As not a horror person, I can tell you you've made the right I thought you were going to say, you let me down, because I thought you were going to say, I went and watched all eight Conjuring movies. Oh, you know, I think I probably have seen all the Conjuring movies. Just uh, I, I didn't see the first Annabelle movie just because... The overall consensus was that the follow-up creation was was a much more solid entry. But I'll say this about the nun: going back, it was it was made well, but it was probably the most boring entry in the the Conjuring um, film universe for me. And the nun two pretty much improved on the nun in every single aspect, but it still just didn't do a lot to move the needle for me as a as a horror movie. It was pretty run of the mill. Um, the director, Michael Chavs, like obviously the Conjuring universe is all all in on him because I think this is like the third or fourth movie he's directed, starting with La Llorona. And like he's he's apparently their guy. So he likes or they like what he's doing there. But um, outside of that, I will say like this does just speak to a, a healthy box office, which I like to see. And I think it does speak to a trend where the franchises or the films that people may expect to be the ones that are thriving are not doing so, but there's definitely an interest in some like some counter programming and and maybe exploring, um, you know, just just films that are a little bit different than than what has been you know commonly accepted as the the shoe ins here. So I like to see these numbers just as a fan of the theater experience and the box office. Like it just it gives me confidence and encouragement that we're going to continue to have. Uh, theaters appearing because there was conversations not all that long ago, like in the midst of the pandemics, like, do we really need theaters or theaters going to become like this, like almost like roller coaster type experience where you only go for these big events. And that may still be the case for some people, but these numbers do show that uh, that's not the case for everybody. Well, yeah, like people Barbie's are still... still raking it in. And as of this recording, September 12th, it's officially available on digital. It's not mm. streaming yet, but Barbie's still climbing past super mario brothers and you could watch it at home now yeah. it's wild yeah i'm pretty sure barbie to maybe today crossed into like the 14th highest grossing movie of all time it's either like 14 or 15 it's like right in that mix so it might end up uh looking at it today it's kind of in striking distance of crossing the next i think it's right behind avengers age of ultron so it could even hop over that i mean it's crossing over an avengers movie like it's pretty yeah. pretty crazy that's it's pretty crazy awesome. stuff especially like Avengers Age of Ultron was a different box office atmosphere oh, yeah. than now. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it makes it even more impressive. But I am a little bit disappointed. You mentioned uh, Barbie coming out on digital. A little disappointed in Christopher Nolan. You know, put put uh, Oppenheimer on digital at the same day. You know, like, let's do the Barbenheimer digital. Uh. You know? I mean, come on. Like, people would have people double-featured it at home. 
I mean, no, I, I know why he didn't do it because he probably hates all this. And he's like, go watch my serious movie about the atomic bomb. Please don't well, associate it with Barbie. Yeah. Well, and Oppenheimer's <laughs> really been picking up steam at the international box office. Like yeah. it's, it's continuing to oh, do yeah. very well. So yeah. it behooves him yeah. not to. I don't think it'll break a, I don't think it'll break a billion, but it's going to get darn close. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, it's going to cross 900. It's going to sniff it. For sure. Yeah. I, it's made the top of like a bunch of lists because it has the unique distinction of being like a number one movie that never held the number one spot because of it was always in competition with Barbie. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A billion dollar movie and it's playing second fiddle. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. So we've uh, we've hinted at a couple of these already just in our conversation. But let's talk about the movies still to come out this fall season. Uh, so yeah, we've got a, a list of the movies that are still due to come out in 2023. Who wants to kick things off with one of the ones they're anticipating the most? I'll go first because I have a plug too. Okay, great. <laughs> so this week, A Haunting in Venice opens, which is Kenneth Branagh's third installment in his Agatha Christie adaptation. Mm -hmm. um, as previously discussed on this podcast, and as I was shamed by my co-host, Scotty, I grew up in a PBS household. <laughs> so Just own it. Own it. These were the kinds of things like I grew up watching. My parents were super into murder mystery. Um, when you go to their house, they've always, always got acorn on. Like That is just their thing. And so I grew up watching this. My brother and I would watch the David Suchet series, which is the BBC series for those who are listening in now. And I have enjoyed Brana's takes on these movies. Um, I preferred Death on the Nile to Murder on the Orient Express. And if you want to listen to myself, Ashley Coffin, and Bill Berea talk about those movies, we have a episode on Avengers Assemble releasing sometime this week. And then we'll be crossing over to Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater to cover A Haunting in Venice. So tune in. One Woman Podcast Network. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Haley, I just wanted to say. I'm I, number three this week. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to say I do agree with you that I prefer Death of the, Death on the Nile over Murder on the Orient Express. So I'm interested in A Haunting in Venice for two reasons. The first of which being that it's as a fan of horror, I'm really interested to see some of these supernatural elements like incorporated into the story and a character like Hercule, Hercule Poirot, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, just the, the way that he's, it's, he's all about like I have to be able to see it and touch it to believe it. So for him to be challenged in that way, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be really cool. But then we talked um, off air about how I'm just really curious to see what Tina Fey does in this movie because she feels so out of place to me in the trailer. But uh, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm still excited. <laughs> well, in this one, um, the other two have been the same title as the book they're based on. This oh. one's not. Um, the book that it's based on is called Halloween Party. So they're ah. kind of deriving different things. But okay. uh, you'll see. If you read the book and then watch the movie or vice versa, you'll see why they cast Tina Fey. Okay. I trust you. So for me, I am kind of – well, the first movie that I'm going to see from this list uh, is a kid's movie. I will be seeing Paw Patrol in theaters, not because I want to, but because I have kids and they want to. So I'm not going to talk about Paw Patrol. Uh, I am instead going to talk about The Hunger Games, oh, no. The Ballad of Songs, <laughs> Songbirds, and Snakes, which I'm very intrigued by. Like I thought the – you know, I read, I read the Hunger Games books. Like I watched the movies. Um, I thought they were – relatively solid i was in on that culture when it was at its peak and i was really not super like we need a hunger games movie uh but then i saw the trailer and i thought it was really interesting and i think 
to me, like what a good prequel should do is a good prequel should change the way that you view the original story in some way that when you go back and view the original story, you see it through a completely different lens. Like it doesn't confirm what you already believe. It changes what you already believe about certain characters. And I I do think that this movie, from what I've seen, at least in the short trailers that I've seen is that it does have the potential to do that. It has the potential to change the conversation around some characters in this universe. So I'm, I'm really interested in it. I think it will be a fun like fall movie, especially if, uh, if you're into that franchise, just kind of maybe re sparking that interest in that franchise again. Yeah. When I went to see the nun two on Friday night, it did attract a little bit of a younger crowd, even though it was an R rated horror movie. And I've seen this, this, you know, this Hunger Game ballad of Songbirds and Snake trailer a number of times at this point. And this was the strongest reaction to that trailer I had seen, this younger, younger crowd. So while I thought this one was going to be dead in the water upon arrival, apparently there's, there's a little bit more interest. And um, I guess the Hunger Games has persisted through, um, you know, Gen Z maybe a little bit more uh, strongly than I had, than I had realized. So I, I hope the best for it. Um, if the word of mouth strong enough, I will, I will check it out. Not that those books are comparable, like, genre-wise to Harry Potter, but I feel like that was kind of that generation's Harry Potter. Those were the mm. books that they grew oh, up for sure. with. Yeah. Um, and then they had their mm. iconic movies at the time, and mm. so maybe that's contributing to the excitement. Yeah. yeah. All right. I want to talk about a movie that already got mentioned very briefly, but I'd like to talk about Dumb Money, which at the time of this recording – Uh, will be coming out, I'll I'll be seeing in an early preview tomorrow. That's when this episode actually drops. So when this, if you're listening to this episode, the day it drops, I will be seeing Dumb Money tonight. And I've just been really excited for this one. I think the story of, you know, the whole GameStop stock situation and how Walgreens, eh, not Walgreens, (laughs) Wall Street got a, uh, uh, a taste of its own medicine there. And the fact that, like, we're able – that the cast is absolutely stacked, you know, with uh, Paul Dano has always oh, been yeah, one of my favorite sure. actors. And then uh, I'll forgive having Pete Davidson in there. But then you've got, you know, um, Seth Rogen, <laughs> um, uh, ton, tons of tons of people. Um, why am I blinking I Nick on? Offerman's in this too. Yeah, Nick Offerman. Yeah. I was thinking of him. I was thinking of Sebastian Stan. So it's just, just a – a lot of clout there. And the fact that like we're making a movie about something that happened like less than three years ago, like that's just, that's pretty impressive. I remember back when the social network came out, like was that 2010? And I had been on Facebook since like 2007 at that point in time. And I was like, this is way too soon to be getting a movie about Facebook. And as with the quality of that movie, I am, I'm happy to, you know, eat my words and, and say that I'm very much looking forward to, to dumb money and uh, director Craig Gillespie's uh, next outing here. If you still want hope, too, if the uh, the Chris Evans thing crushed you, I did just Google on my work computer, by the way, <laughs> is Sebastian Stan married? And the answer is no. All right. So, no, you still have an option there, I guess. Yes. Is dating somebody, though, so you have okay. some competition. All right. <laughs> <laughs> In case you wanted to know, Scotty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, you know, th- these are, these not are, to let everybody know. These you know? are the hard-hitting <laughs> facts that I come here for. So. <laughs> uh, okay. Back around the horn um, to Haley. So my, yeah, my second one is kind of a basic choice, but it's going to be the Marvels. I think that, well, I hope that that infuses a lot of fun into the MCU, especially after we have Loki, which um, will probably be pretty serious since he's dealing with lots of issues. 
but I think the Marvels looks like a great time. And between Iman Vellani, um, Brie Larson, and Tiona Paris, I really love all three of those actresses. And I want to see some badass girls punching through stuff. I'll just say it. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it's going to get delayed. Like, I know we kind of talked about, is this movie going to get delayed? I feel like we talk about that every week, but they're just, they started releasing IMAX posters today. Like, mm. the official Instagram of Marvel put out a new IMAX poster for this movie. Like, they're sticking in that date. I mean, I think they're kind of looking at it and saying, hey, we're kind of unopposed. There's not really any other genre superhero type movies during this time um dune got moved we got all the imax screens i think it makes total sense for them to just lean in and just own it and go for it i did see they released i forget where i saw it um like interviews with the three actresses that were probably done before the strikes and so we've talked about that before clearly they have a little bit of content to promote the movie but i think they're just leaning on the mcu hype in general yeah, you can get Feige out there too, and like Nia DaCosta can get out there. So yeah. there's some people who can promote it, even if you don't have your your talent, which sucks. But um, but still, there's some people who can get the word out. Yeah, I agree. I I think the person that kind of gets the the raw steal here is Mon Valani, but she seems to be rolling with the punches with the recent appearance she made at a con, like in cosplay and everything like that. She seems to be you know taking everything in stride and still using this as her moment, even though she can't be out in front on the red carpet or anything like that. But, you know, I do think it just speaks to the size of the Marvel machine a little bit. Like once that marketing machine has got, you know, is chugging along, it's really not going to stop. So whereas with Dune, it was disappointing, but felt like the right move. I think what you said there, uh, Jay, is absolutely right. Like this one just kind of makes sense as unfortunate as it is for the talent. um, I don't think the movie is going to suffer in terms of gross by by the strikes or not being able to do the the red carpet premiere yeah so a movie i want to talk about is napoleon all three hours of it or whatever (laughs) but i'm i'm really intrigued by this movie like i love the talent i love uh the idea of joaquin phoenix and vanessa kirby playing these like extremely interesting historical characters if you don't know anything about napoleon and you're somebody who is like you know i could get into an autobiography like if you can read a a napoleon autobiography i think it'll keep you on the edge of your seat like he's a fascinating person in history not just from what he did which is pretty nuts but just his impact and just the personal stuff in his life is pretty crazy uh when you add it all up you have one of the most fascinating characters that has ever been on the planet so to see what i feel like is a great casting of that person uh ridley scott knows how to make a movie of this scale he knows how to pump up the scale of like a war epic uh film and uh bring in the dialogue and the story and and mesh it all together so i think the pieces are there for something really special and i'm really excited to see where that movie ultimately ends up yeah i feel like napoleon it's it's only real competition is is a movie that i don't think we're really going to talk about and that's ferrari because i feel like napoleon is like perfectly set up to be the dad movie of the season like You've got oh for you've, sure. You've got Ridley yeah. Scott. You've got this historical figure in Napoleon, and um, you know, yeah, it really does feel like a and spiritual success. Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, it feels like a spiritual successor to the Gladiator. So I, I'm pretty pumped for this one as well, and I have pretty high expectations for the quality. Okay, uh, another movie for me that I am looking forward to is going to be one that we don't have to wait that long for, The Creator. 
which comes out at the end of this month, and that is starring John David Washington, set in a post-apocalyptic world where AI has taken over. But uh, and uh, this is coming from uh, Gareth Edwards, who you know uh, famously directed or maybe not fully directed uh, Star Wars Rogue One. So uh, for him to you know have another um, opportunity to tell a story with his sensibilities and not really be hamstrung in the way that he was uh, working with Disney or Lucasfilm, I think is just uh, really exciting. And some of the moral implications about like AI and and how it presents itself in this world, I think look great. And one thing we haven't talked about on this show is actually one of the trailers for this movie used real world footage from the explosion that happened in Beirut um, a few years ago or not, not all that long ago. So there was some controversy about that. I don't know if it made it into the final cut of the film, but I'm just, I'm interested to see this one for, for many reasons. And it might be my most anticipated for, you know, we're talking collectively about the fall and winter movies here, but specifically for like, you know, the fall forthright, this might be my most anticipated movie. So okay. I know that Jay probably knows us too as the resident other like sports person on this podcast, <laughs> but at the LA Chargers game at SoFi Stadium yesterday, yesterday? No, Sunday. Um, Sunday. I honestly, goodness, I don't know what day it is and I've been like this whole week, so <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> on Sunday at the Chargers game, they had like replicas of the AI people or robots or whatever from this movie in the stands, which is hilarious to me for a lot of reasons but it was like this weird social media thing where people were like oh the chargers are filling their stadium with ai robots (laughs) 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 and it was like their attempt at some viral marketing i think or guerrilla marketing but i don't know that it i don't know that it panned out the way they wanted it to (laughs) yeah there was a a campaign like that I think it was last year that there was a horror movie. I think it was called smile. And like, it was all these like people like smiling all creepy and stuff. Yeah. I remember and that. They would, they would buy <laughs> these people tickets to uh, major league baseball games and set them right behind, uh, right behind, um, like right in the oh, view wait. of the camera. Right. So you're watching the yeah. game on TV and they're just sitting there like smiling, like a creepy person <laughs> or whatever. And it's supposed to be, and I mean, it works like people were talking about it, like uh, as a thing. So, you know, I guess that's what they were going for on some level. Hey, they're doing something right. Because while I'm, I might not be a sports person, all of these things make me want to be a sports person too, so I can experience. <laughs> Join us. Join yeah. Us. yeah. I'm, I'm getting closer. <laughs> Getting closer. <laughs> you just fan, just like... pick a team and let it let it rip. You know, just <laughs> yeah. like I'm a this fan now, and just make it happen. Yeah, yeah just make a choice. Like, just be organic about it. <laughs> okay, okay. Duly noted. Duly noted. Okay. Um, I guess I'll I'll just uh, take the opportunity to mention uh, one more that I'm excited for here, and that is Poor Things, starring Emma Stone and directed by Yorgos Lathamos, and like. The more and more I've seen and heard about this one, the more excited I get. It really does just feel like, you know, Yorgos Lathamos, like doing his take on a what otherwise would be a Tim Burton story. And I hear uh, amazing things about Emma Stone's performance that Mark Ruffalo is going to be popping up in there, Willem Dafoe. And it just, you know, it feels like it's going to fit like those like quirky indie kind of macabre sensibilities that I love so much. So definitely one to look out for for me. Yeah, Poor Things killed the Venice Film Festival, too. Like, people could not stop talking about it. It won, like, the key film of the festival award. Mm. uh, And everybody was saying that Emma Stone was just, like, probably going to be uh, contending for Best Actress now. Like, this is going to be 
popping up against Barbie and Oppenheimer and it's going to be right there in the mix. So I'm kind of getting some like kind of like what everything everywhere all at once did where it just kind of came out of nowhere and took the Oscars by storm. Yeah, I think you could see a similar path here for poor things, too, for sure. Cool. Cool. All right. Did we want to throw out any of those that we might not be as excited about? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not excited about Aquaman and the Last Kingdom. We'll see what the trailer. Careful, looks Haley. Like. <laughs> I know. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, people are fans and just... they get mad about stuff, but we don't I'm care. Sorry, it just doesn't look great to me. That's all. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, it that movie is not going to do well. But so okay. you're you're not in bad company, I don't think. Um, I am not that excited about Wonka because mm. I don't know what it is and I don't <laughs> know what it's does. supposed to be. And I'm like, what are we doing with the Johnny Depp stuff? Like, is this supposed to be like, why, you know, is it a musical? Because the director came out today was like, it's not a musical, but Timothy Chalamet can really sing. It's like, so what is it then? So it's just, that's annoying. And, yeah. and I know that, uh, it's going to be, I guess it's going to try to be the holiday movie. It's like, we got like candy and songs and stuff and it's, you know, holiday, but man, I just, I have not. a hard time seeing that movie taken off. I just yeah. do like, and I, I might, I'll, I can see a path for me getting proven wrong. It's Timothy Chalamet. Like I get it, uh, <laughs> but it's just, but it's just, man, like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think people are that in people that should like the target audience for that movie does not seem that excited. Yeah. About it. And I think that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. I saw some headlines. Com- like yeah. I saw some headlines comparing Timothy Chalamet's singing voice to like that of Bing Crosby. So if there's going to be any like saving grace for this movie, I think it's going to be his, his vocal chops because like, yeah, his performance is just not doing it to me. Like the line that just always sticks out to me is that I'm making chocolate, of course. It's like, no, (laughs) that's just not landing on any level whatsoever for me. Yeah. It's it's just not good. I believe, uh, I I don't think I was here this week, but I believe someone on this show described it as a high school performance of Willy Wonka, which I think just, that nails it, nails it, direct hit. (laughs) Yeah. Shots fired. Uh, Okay. One that is not super anticipated for me is going to be Five Nights at Freddy's. It's like recently we've seen this trend of like video game adaptations um, really upping their game in terms of quality and reception. And I'm just not feeling it on this one. I'm not super, super familiar with Five Nights at Freddy's. I have a, you know, basic understanding of what the concept is and some of the lore. But I think between the trailers that we've seen making it seem really, really predictable to me and the fact that there was like talk about there being like a three hour cut out there, like I am just not interested in sitting in a theater for like, (laughs) Probably not even close to two hours. Like one one hour forty five minutes should be tops for like a movie like this. <laughs> uh, you know, best of luck to Five Nights at Freddy's and Josh Hutcherson, but uh, I'm not I'm not feeling it at this point in time. I'm getting like some Nostradamus feelings of like the release, the whatever cut. I don't know who directed this, but like uh, whenever this movie, like if it doesn't do well, it's like, well, there was actually a better cut. We have like another Snyder cut in our hands. Like, I just, that's not a world that I want to live in. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that will do it for our fall 2023 movie preview. Let's, uh, let's check in with the listeners and get an update on our Spotify poll. 
Yeah, so this week, uh, last week, we asked about, uh, well, we talked a lot about loose ends in the MCU. We talked about how with all of these new projects and new characters, uh, and we're fans speaking this, <laughs> like we're, we're, we're frustrated with this idea of just all of these characters being introduced and storylines being introduced and things getting teased, but then they're just really being radio silent. Uh, and part of that's COVID delays, part of that's, you know, now with actors strike and that type of stuff, new project delays and all this type of stuff. But still, there's a lot of loose ends in the MCU. And we covered a few. Uh, and we asked people, what's one of your most frustrating ones? So some of the ones that we mentioned uh, were mentioned. Uh, a lot of talk about White Vision. You know, people are not happy about White Vision. Where did he go? He's just been flying around somewhere this whole time. A <laughs> uh, lot of talk about Mordo, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and it's fair. Like he just popped in and popped out you know <laughs> like uh what's he been up to uh, a lot of talk about shang chi the ring sending a beacon the post credit scene things like that people really brought that up a lot and brought that to light um and then eternals like eternals left a lot of loose ends especially mm. the celestial sticking out of the ocean uh people uh, somebody uh mentioned something about like uh it's a uh, in in Kendall two three one one said something about like wouldn't this cause environmental problems and yeah oh, probably yeah. I mean oh, wouldn't yeah. the entire Earth be destroyed <laughs> like uh, <laughs> like uh, I don't know I, I, I see articles all the time like if a if a football field sized meteor hits us we're all dead you know yeah. like yeah. so this <laughs> so uh, you know a lot of uh, now has a person sticking out of like <laughs> one end of it it's gonna throw the axis off. <laughs> Earth-616 is a lot stronger than our Earth. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess so. I guess that's the, the headcanon uh, if, uh, if you want to do it. And then finally, I just got to mention, like, uh, who bought Stark Tower? Like, just tell yeah. us. You know, let's, just, let's just move on here from this. Just, yeah. just I don't know, tweet it out or something so we just know. <laughs> I, I wanted to take this opportunity. I, I co-signed with the Shang-Chi, the, the Beacon teaser, as kind of the most frustrating, frustrating dangling thread currently. But I do want to go all the way back to 2015's Ant-Man and point out that uh, Martin or uh, yeah Martin Donovan's character was uh, like an employee of uh, no no he was like a member of like the the Ten Rings or something like that and he absconded off with a case of pim particles and that was never followed up on and I still <laughs> take issue with that. Uh. <laughs> Well, also on the note of Ant-Man, I just got my copy of Lookout for the Little Guy oh, today, and I read through the introduction when I was eating dinner, and it, it the premise, I guess, skip forward if you don't want to know, but whatever, mm. um, the premise is like the Avengers told Scott to tell their story. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm very interested to keep reading, because that's not what I thought it was going to be about. Stay that that might explain the uh, inflated ego at the beginning of that movie a little bit. Like, yeah, I was picked out of all the <laughs> yeah. Avengers to be the one to tell my story. <laughs> That's literally like what the introduction. Oh, says. is it it's nice? Like, Hawkeye, Hawkeye, and the Hulk came to me, and they're like, "Only you can do this, Scott." And I'm like, "Is this real, <laughs> or is this him making this up?" <laughs> yeah. Good times, good times. All right. With that said and done, let's move on to the lightning round. And for anybody that may be listening in for the first time or watching for the first time, the way the lightning round works is that we have a list of topics that we didn't cover as main stories here, and we'll basically run them down. And when somebody hears one that they're interested in, they can chime in, uh, buzz in by saying their name. And the first one to buzz in gets to tackle the topic, and we all are allotted at least one rebuttal 
Sometimes we have um, little asides that we refer affectionately to as tiny butts and whatever, you know, other little <laughs> adages we want to throw in there. They're, the rules are just there for, you know, uh, pro- posterity's sake. We don't really uh, stick <laughs> <Yeah>. to them. <laughs> so, it's a fluid uh, process. It is. It is. It is. As, as is this whole stream been. So, all right. <laughs> First up, Lionsgate will officially handle distribution for the upcoming Bill Skarsgård-led reboot of The Crow. The film is expected to be released sometime in 2024. Jay, um, The Crow has a huge cult following. So this movie has been rumored for a really long time. It's been talked about for a really long time. And now with uh, Bill Skarsgård behind it, I think you got to be excited about that if you're into that movie and you want to see a uh, reimagining of it on some level so yeah i think if you're a fan of this like finally getting sort of an idea of a release date is pretty exciting stuff yeah i'm not holding my breath on this one because this has been since i've been a fan of like films and the behind the scenes and paid more attention to it i think the entire time i've been at that level of fandom there's been talks of this the crow reboot yeah. so I'll, <laughs> I'll believe it when i see it but i do think bill skarsgård is a is an interesting and good choice so all right Next up, Eli Roth's upcoming slasher film Thanksgiving has dropped its first trailer. The film, which stars Patrick Dempsey and Addison Rae, is based on a fake trailer that Roth created for Quentin Tarantino's 2007 film Grindhouse. The film will hit theaters on November 17th. Scotty. Yeah, I'll say I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. I think Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, and I think it's been poorly underrepresented, upper-repre- eh, underrepresented in the world of movies. You know, we have, you know, Throw Mama from the Train, a few other ones, but the fact that we're going to get a horror slasher Thanksgiving film uh, really excites me, and I think this one is going to do what another horror comedy that recently came out didn't really do for me, and that was, uh, you know, Slaughterhouse. No spoilers for that, but I did see that one, and it's worth a watch, but didn't live up to the to the heights that I had in mind when you know you take a high concept slasher film and and combine the comedy and the absurdity right there. I think Thanksgiving is going to deliver in the way that I I'm looking for. Apple TV Plus has released its first trailer for its upcoming MonstersVerse series, Monarch: Legacy of Monsters. The series stars Kurt Russell and Wyatt <laughs> Russell playing the same character. The series will take place both in the 1950s and in the period of time following 2014's Godzilla and will revolve around the protagonist discovering secrets of the monarch organization at the center of the franchise. Jay, um, we talked about this the two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that, when they released yeah. uh, just like the announcement that it was happening. Right. So this is the actual first trailer of it that was dropped. Mm. And... Um, it looks really good. Like for somebody who's into that, um, I'm not going to, I don't want to like throw any spoilers out there, but there's like, they brought in more characters from like from people who were in other movies in mm. this whole thing. Like the, the Kong of it all and the Godzilla of it all. Like they brought some people in from those properties to help connect it. Uh-huh. So it looks like it's got the budget. Uh, it's got the star power. And um, I think if you're at least interested in seeing that universe grow, if you're looking at Godzilla versus Kong or whatever that comes out next year and you're excited about that, I think this looks like an interesting watch. Like the idea of discovering the Monarch organization and what it is and all the secrets behind it and everything. It's pretty intriguing. Like uh, if you're a fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll respond to this one as well. And I appreciate you tiptoeing around the spoilers there, Jay, because that was one thought that I had uh, recurring while watching this. Number one, the, amount of footage that we got to see from certain monsters, I found myself wondering, are they, did they make all of this like 
for the first time for this series? Are they using archival footage? And especially with some of the characters that we see, I know a few instances without a, without a doubt that they were archival footage, but I found myself questioning other instances. Like, do they actually pull in like some of this big name talent to appear in the series? And um, I do think, you know, Apple TV plus has the money to do that if they, if they so, so choose to, but uh, I'll, I'll be watching this one pretty closely because I'm pretty excited for it. <laughs> Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom has dropped title. its first TV spot teaser trailer with a full trailer to be released this Thursday. The film is currently scheduled to hit theaters on December 20th. Haley, I'll go. <laughs> She's just, so annoyed. <laughs> well, I just don't. I really, honestly, I just don't get the point of them releasing this movie. When mm. the this is still part of the DCEU, we're trying to cut ties with that. Like, it's just... Honestly, it doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. Yeah, I cannot wait for the PR uh, of this movie, which will be James Gunn trying to convince everybody and gaslight us that this is in the DCU. Like, he will try. Just wait. Uh, yeah. And we will report on it. He'll do the Flash thing where he's like, uh, maybe, uh, you know, <laughs> could happen yeah. uh, or whatever. Like- and I'm going to be so annoyed by that. Oh, and his credibility, I feel like, it just it starts to tank when he mm, does yeah. that now. And I, for that's sure, why I'm just like, I don't know why you were, why we're still bothering. Ugh, I'm sorry. <laughs> if yeah. you're an Aquaman fan, like, go love it. Like, we yeah. we want it for you. But like, yeah, like this movie is going to struggle. Like, it yeah. is going to really yeah. struggle because, like. I mean, Blue Beetle did everything it's, it could to break away from this DCEU stuff, and it struggled. The Flash, like, historically bombed. And mm-hmm. so this movie's tied to that, whether it wants to be or not. It is tied to The Flash and that whole, the stink of all of that. And it is it has got to overcome all that, and it can't put Jason Momoa out there to promote it. Right. And uh, Nicole Kidman's yeah. in this movie, and, like, like, you can't get these people out there. You just got to throw it out there and see what happens and the word of mouth is not going to catch on it's not yeah i'm of two minds on this one because i on the on the one hand like we'll have more to talk about at after the full trailer that or teaser trailer that we get you know later this week but i'm really not a fan of this trend of like and it seemed like we had moved away from it for a while but like the teaser for the teaser like i don't need a 30 second teaser telling me that there's a trailer coming <laughs> later just like give me the trailer when the time comes but yeah. gripes aside um I do acknowledge that Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, like it's going to struggle. It has a enormous uphill to climb here, but I am still, you know, excited. And I think that's my ability to kind of like, you know, appreciate this content and these characters without being like, you know, super beholden to them and like, you know, accepting the fact that the DCEU might be, you know, on its way out, but I, I can still look forward to these characters and building upon what, you know, the first movie did. And to that end, the little bit that I can glean from this plot is that they are bringing back Yaya Abdul-Mateen's uh, Black Manta. And it looks like he's going to be the primary antagonist. And he was one of my favorite parts about the the first movie. So the fact that they're going to, you know, build upon that at least gives me some hope for this movie, even though I financially I, I don't think it stands a chance at all, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Haunted Mansion will begin streaming on Disney Plus on October 4th. Haley, yay! Haunted Mansion was so much fun. And like I said, it was going to come out right before spooky season. So I hope that it does really well uh, as streaming and that people discover it and watch it and have a great time with that holiday film. Well said. 
Tim Burton recently told The Independent that the upcoming Beetlejuice 2 is 99% done and only needs less than two days of filming to complete. The film production was shut down due to Hollywood strikes. Haley, again. (laughs) Uh, This really surprised me to read that because we've only been talking about this movie as long as we've been doing this show and not even quite that long. And so I kind of wonder if in that kind of fun way that Tim Burton has of making his films like is it a lower budget like does it feel authentic like mm-hmm. like an authentic Tim Burton film like that gives me some hope for it because I'm not super excited about this sequel I kind of wish you know we could leave some things alone like we were talking about with the crow um but man they've filmed this thing like, like lickety split Mm. Yeah, he said that I think in the uh, I guess this is a tiny butt, I don't know. Uh he said that in the uh the the interview here uh where he was he was just like we knew exactly what we needed to do and we just banged it out. Like we just went in and filmed everything back to back to back. And the literal quote was we need an afternoon and a half and we'll mm. be done. <laughs> so this is bad timing for old uh Tim Burton. Yeah. I didn't read the article on this one, but I I couldn't help but get like the sentiment that he might be embellishing a little bit by saying like and two more days of filming and we would, would have completed. Yeah, principal photography would have been done. But when it comes to making a movie, there's so much more that still needs to happen. And, like, you know, whether that's pickups here and there or second unit directors doing this or that and, and everything else that goes on. I think I, I kind of see Tim Burton, you know, bending his, his language a little bit to get the most impact in terms of these headlines. But uh, that's that's his, his right and his privilege. So. <laughs> Okay. In the first five days since its Disney Plus release on September 6th, The Little Mermaid, the live-action reimagining of the 1989 Oscar-winning animated classic, has collected 16 million views worldwide, according to the platform. Jay, um, this is really solid. This is a really solid debut for that movie, and I think we talked about this probably being the reality, is that even though The Little Mermaid didn't exactly kill it at the box office, it did okay, uh, it is probably going to have a pretty good run on Disney+, and it has from the beginning. It shows us that people have always kind of been interested in seeing it. It's just that maybe not as many people were interested in seeing it in the theater, but if you are disney you like to see this because what this means is that if you want to continue exploring the universe if you want to keep making things a lot of times these movies get their second life outside of the theater uh, spider verse is an example that i always go to like that movie the first one when it came out was not a great box office success by right. measure of how we measure the box office um but it went on tv platforms it went on streaming and people loved it and talked about it and streamed it like crazy and then that meant that when the sequel was put on the t that it was just like they just completely destroyed the box office like took over because people were primed through streaming at home to want more and then when they provided at the box office you know so a lot of times these projects like they can have these long lives they can get onto a streaming platform and they can grow their audience on the streaming platform it doesn't all have to be done in a theater Right. I guess my takeaway is that 16 million views in six days and not a single person has had issue with the bird being underwater. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I got I got like people were sending me messages being like, hey, it's a bird that blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, thanks. Like crap brothers or whatever. Like, you know, I like uh, I didn't need a nature lesson or whatever. (laughs) 
Uh, I still haven't time. seen it. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, singing underwater. By the way, singing underwater. Still, I know. I know. I know. I should just let it go. I should just let it go. But <laughs> breathing is one thing. But... Jay's right. new beef is with the animated bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pivoting. All right. I'm pivoting on the beef. Okay. <laughs> Aquavina. I'm gonna have a beef with the whole yeah. with, with the whole cast of Shang Chi. Yeah, you were going there too, like yeah, Aquavina right. and Sibu Liu, yeah. like. I mean, it's just I'm stacking them up. Ben Kingsley, watch out. <laughs> Crosshairs are on you. <laughs> yeah, you're next. <laughs> All right. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 releases digitally on October 10th and is available on physical media on October 31st. Haley, so get your popcorn and your animated robot Tom Cruise thing that you have in your house and sit down and watch <laughs> Dead Reckoning Part 1. That's all I could think of when I saw that headline. Refer to last week's conversation. Okay. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> evergreen content here. Evergreen content. All right. <laughs> A Murder, She Wrote film adaptation is in the works at Universal Studios. The film will be written by Lauren Shuker Bloom and Rebecca Angelo with Amy Pascal attached to produce. A TV series reboot was planned in 2013, but was ultimately scrapped. Haley, this, uh, Jay's in my head, because I saw this and I was like, <laughs> this is Hollywood, like, taking the wrong cues, right, and doing the wrong things. If you know what Murder, She Wrote is, you know that Angela Lansbury played the titular role, mm. and it's, like, sacred to the people who loved Murder, She Wrote, mm. and... If they had to kill a TV show in 2013, do we really think that a a movie's going to be better? I don't know. Maybe it will. We don't have any casting news. This is, like, super preliminary stuff. But, yeah, like Johnny B. Skulls in the chat says, who's asking for this? <laughs> we'll just give it a little bit of time. We're going to start to hear about the Matlock uh, movie that's also in the works and we're going to get the murder oh, she wrote matlock share, shared universe before too long here <laughs> it's the universe <laughs> and everybody Columbo will be asking Hollywood. <laughs> hollywood's like always so far behind us like by the time we've realized what we want then and they've been like oh they want this like let's start making it like we've already moved on we want something else mm. yeah. <laughs> like we've moved on we've we're kind of starting to move on from shared universes a little bit like as a society yeah. you right. know i know we're still fans but like as a society people are not super crazy about the like the huge shared universe across shows and movies and all this and that's just an example like people are going nuts for that in the lead up to avengers endgame right because it was yeah. the biggest thing in the world but then now everybody's like well we got to make shared universe it's like well we kind of moved on a little bit from that right. like yeah. uh so it's it's there's kind of like it's like they're working on a delay a little bit here mm. even more so with the strikes well, that was t totally fabricated yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like scotty just made that up <laughs> oh i did not this is you know hard-hitting news like i said everything is fact-checked here look it up you yeah. you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> all right and our final headline for the episode here, Netflix debuted an official trailer for Mike Flanagan's The Fall of the House of Usher series based on the Edgar Allan Poe work of the same name. Hey, Scotty? Really? <laughs> um, I a, book, a lot of book news today. <laughs> interesting take. So they, they've turned it into this like crime family drama, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, maybe trying to emulate in a way this is maybe a bit of a stretch but emulate um what's that show that everybody was watching american horror story with the family no 
Oh my god. Oh, from Mike Flanagan as well. How Haunting of Hill House. No, no, no. the family. Oh, Succession. Who's like Succession? We got there. You just kept saying the family. We got there. There's a million things that could fit that. (laughs) We got there. It's kind of trying to emulate Succession in a way, from what I saw in the trailer, and I was like, well, that's kind of a updated take on it, but I don't, I don't know how much it does or doesn't make sense that it's being based on edgar Allan poe's work yeah the fall of the house of usher is actually one of my favorite stories from edgar Allan poe so i was pretty much i was anticipating this one but it does seem to be a bit of a departure and and definitely a modernization of that tale and i actually found myself kind of like getting vibes of like ryan murphy series like american horror story where yes they have these horror elements Mm -hmm. but it's also kind of very edgy and and topical so um, I'll still, you know, I like Mike Flanagan as a uh, creator, so I will uh, stay tuned. Okay, and that does it for another episode of Multiverse News. We made it. We got through this. Good job, everyone. <laughs> Good job, Scotty. <laughs> yeah, Scotty uh, is the MVP, just yeah. running everything from from the command center. <laughs> That's a good place to be with, you know, such esteemed company here. So why don't you all let the people know what else you have going on here, starting with Miss Hobbs or Mrs. Hobbs here. Excuse me. (laughs) Um, First and foremost, you can find me at Source Pages, a reading collective where Brian V. Klein and I read source material as primers for all the geeky TV shows and movies we love. Right now we're on a break in between stuff. So we're going back to some Secret Wars comics coverage. And then you can find me, uh, aforementioned, Avengers Assemble, soon Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater. And um, also make sure you're checking out PandaVision, where Ashley Coffin and I and a rotating panel um, is covering Ahsoka. Very cool. We'll be looking forward to all of that. And the herd's very own Jay Sisson. What's going on, Jay? <laughs> the, th- the thundering herd. The thundering uh, herd. Thank you very me. much. Uh, <laughs> um, well, uh, you can find me at Commute the Podcast, uh, where we talk about uh, me and my co-hosts talk about three interesting things in twenty minutes to uh, try to give you some just uh, some interesting things that maybe you've never heard about before. Um, and I do have to pop in and say that the Pandavision coverage on Ahsoka has been great. Um, really enjoyed hearing you guys uh, in that vein. I, I as somebody who didn't watch Rebels, I know. Okay, I get it. All right, uh, I should have, <laughs> but trying. I didn't. I should have, but I didn't. Uh, it's been it's been good having these perspectives of people being like, yeah, this person's this person, and this person's this person, being like, oh, okay, it makes sense now. So definitely yeah. check that out. If you're watching Ahsoka, like that's a really good guide. If you're a super Rebels fan, if you're like done not you didn't watch it at all, it, it works. So um so yeah. And uh real quick too, um if you haven't reviewed multiverse news on anything, that really does help us out. So if you uh pop over to Apple Podcasts and write a review, that really helps. I mean it should be five stars probably, like <laughs> if you're gonna do it. Uh and then if you go over to Spotify, same thing. You can rate the show uh five stars. So if you haven't done that, like please uh, help us out a little bit. Uh we really appreciate it. Yeah, and, and to that end, also check out our social medias. Jay's been doing a stand-up job on our Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. So you can find Multiverse News wherever you get your podcast or wherever you get your social media. As for me, I want to plug. I haven't been and, doing great on the – oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I haven't been doing great on the or on the Twitter. But the Instagram, yeah, stay pretty up to date with that. Well, Twitter's not even a thing anymore. It's <laughs> X. So that shows how much I'm That's, on Twitter. Yeah, so. yeah you're right. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, as for me, I'd like to mention Animation Deliberation. It's the podcast that takes action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. And we've got you know so much going on right now. Archer airing its final season. Uh, Futurama's revival is still happening. And uh, just so so much out there. So come in, whatever you're looking for, be it one of those series or anime, uh, we've got something for you as long as you're a fan of animated content, animation deliberation, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, thank you for listening and watching and leave those five-star reviews. You stay classy, multiverse. <laughs>